Uh, but I greet you today uh, from Fort Yukon, uh, from my wife Charnay, uh, my son Lucas, and my three daughters, Araya, Ember, and Serenity. Uh, yes, there's three girls, three daughters. I uh, never thought I would say that. And anybody who knows me is like, wow, God stuck him with three daughters, huh? Okay. Um, if you, any of you believe that God doesn't have a sense of humor, uh, I have three daughters. And so I know God has a sense of humor. Um, but yeah, we're talking about the, uh, you see the prayer for Alaska, and, and I appreciate, Pastor Scott, I appreciate your, your prayer for uh, the rural areas of Alaska, for the bush, and for, for all, all over this great state. Um, and the, the need is great, guys. I, I you know, I, I have the privilege and honor of serving with 907 Missions alongside Terry Hull. Uh, our director of uh, 907 missions here in Alaska, and tell you what, the, the need is just never ending. The, the need for workers, the need for laborers in the harvest, uh, the harvest is so ready. There are so many needs that are out there, and there are so few people who are qualified or willing to meet those needs. I think of this last summer as we got ready to go to network conference in April, and uh, a week before network conference, I got called to somebody's house by the police to help take somebody uh, down off the rafters who had committed suicide, and then spent the day with the police and with the chief of the community and with the family, and then the days after and days after, and, and went to network conference and came back only to come back to another death. And then in between there, in between all that going on, you have every single day, my wife is getting phone calls, uh, a list of kids that call her every day wanting to know if it's okay if they come visit because they want to come hang out and stay at the house and play with our kids and just be away from their house. And, and we know what's going on in their house and there's, you know, they're taking care of themselves or there's, a, you know, some sort of abuse or something going on. And then, you know, just, just uh, last month, I was, just church gets over, people dismiss, and a bunch of teenagers come in the door crying. And I go, we sit down to pray with them and it turns out their uncle, 32-year-old, guy who I'd been ministering my heart out to for five years hung himself that morning. And I'm just like, God, you know, I need help. <laughs> you know, it's just one day after the other, you're just like, we, there's so many needs and it's not, and, and I'm in one village. I'm in one village of seven in our area. And this, you know, life happens, death happens, grief happens, pain in every community. It happens here in Kenai. It happens in Saldatna. It happens you know, everywhere. It happens. And there are so many communities in Alaska, both on and off the road system, where when that junk happens, there's nobody to turn to. There's nobody to reach to, out to. There's no pastor or minister. There's nobody who is that, you know, prayer warrior who you know knows God, you know. There's, a, there's just nobody. And so as we pray for these needs and as we consider what's going on in the village, I encourage you, I implore you, pray and, and not only say, God, you know, meet these needs, but pray for laborers in the harvest. Join your prayers to those of us who are crying out, God, you know, stir in someone's heart to move to the bush. You know, we have a couple that have been looking forward from, from Muldoon Community Assembly. They've been looking forward to retirement. You know, he's, he's been looking forward to retiring from his job. And they, as soon as he did, they, they like packed up and moved to one of the villages, the couple did. And so like, you know, pray for people who would just have the burning desire to go meet some of these needs. Pray for young people. You know, I, I got to Fort Yukon. People say, you know, Pastor introduced me, and this October will be 16 years. Well, do the math. 
<laughs> you know, I was 21 when I moved to Fort Yukon. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there, tell you what, folks, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of uh, sweat and tears and pain and, and, and you know, physical labor involved in bush living and bush ministry. And those of you who work hard here in Kenai and, you know, work with your hands, you know what it's like. You know, we need young people. We need old people. We need everybody in between people <laughs> to come out to the village and minister. Today I'm going to be encouraging you guys. Hopefully I can help change uh, uh, mindsets, you know. That's what we're all about. That's what we, hopefully when you guys, no matter how old you are, whenever you go to the Word, Pastor Steve, you, you learned this at a young age. When you go to the Word, you try to, as much as you can, in your mind and in your heart, create a blank canvas for God to write on. You don't go to the Word and be like, oh God, you know, help me find evidence of what I already think. <laughs> you know, you go there and say, God, clear the way I think and, and imprint your thinking on me. And so today we're going to examine the Word and hopefully allow the Lord to imprint His thinking on us. My message today is entitled, The Free Gift of Transformation. You know, when I was young, and, I, and even in ministry, young in ministry, when I was a, uh, in middle school, high school, and I was going to youth group and stuff... Um, I accepted the Lord at a, at a service where I was told to accept the free gift of salvation. And, you know, I've preached that and taught that, you know, just it's a free gift. You just got to say yes and take it and all this stuff. And as I get older and, and as I teach more and as I dive in the Word, I realize there's, there's a slight flaw in our thinking when we think about it in that sense. Because, Pastor Joshua, I want you to come up here and give me a hand real quick. So give me your phone. Oh, you don't have it on you. Wow. <laughs> So if I give you this, say your phone breaks or whatever, and I come to you, Josh, and I say, you know, hey, uh, I, I saw you broke your phone. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a new one in the box or whatever. And you know it's expensive. You know that what those things cost. And I just give it to you, you know, whatever. And you're thankful. You're like, Man, he gave me an expensive gift, right? But I gave you a gift. Does that mean that all of a sudden you're going to sell your house and, 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 and move your family to, to be my, you know, live-in butler and you're going to commit your life to me? And you're going to change your way of thinking to line up with everything I think, and you're going to just bow down before me? <laughs> no. We, thank you. We know that you can receive a gift from somebody and not necessarily, you know, claim that, proclaim that person as king. You can receive a gift, and receiving the free gift of salvation from God, we can, in, I, I don't know if this is an American thing, or maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the only one that ever thought this way, and I'm just like, you're like, you're sick. But you can receive a gift and not have it be like, oh, wow, I got a gift. I'll just add this to the other gifts I have. How many of you guys are looking forward to getting more junk on Christmas? <laughs> you know, how many of you ever had a Christmas go by, especially those of you who have kids, and you're just thinking, okay, how do we purge the house before Christmas so that we have room for more stuff? Like, <laughs> right? There's, there's, so we have this mentality. We receive gifts all the time. We receive gifts on birthdays, we receive gifts on Christmas. Receiving a gift doesn't necessarily completely change your life. You just add it to your life. And so many times, salvation, without thinking about it, if you don't dive deep into the theology there, you just receive, and, and, and people who are, who are used to in our culture receiving gifts, we don't necessarily equate that gift with an entire overhaul life change. So people tend to, I did when I was a kid, people tend to receive salvation as something like, thanks, I'm going to put this on the shelf next to my other knickknacks and trinkets in life. And it's not a life, they don't, they don't see it as a life-transforming thing. It's just a free gift. Of, oh, thanks, Jesus gave me a gift. That means he loves me. Thanks, Jesus. And, and they go on with life as it is. The danger of thinking that our salvation is, a, is, a, is, is just, it's just not, not it's, that it's not a gift, but that it's just a gift to be accepted is we tend to add it to our life and that the transformation that we hear about 
the, the born-again part, the new beginning, the new person, the scriptures we're going to read today, that part tends to be seen as like an optional afterward, you know? How many of you guys are really into hunting or fishing? Anybody in here? Am I the only one? I don't know who I'm talking to. Okay, I see quite a few. Okay, how many of you have friends, or maybe there was a time in your life where you were kind of, kind of on the, you, you weren't like headlong into it. You just, it's kind of a hobby, you did it, but you didn't have like the Sitka gear, you didn't have like, the crazy expensive stuff, you know? That's what it's like with, with, with God. So many people in church today, and I've been there, I was there in my life. We're into this Christian thing, you know, we believe in Jesus and all. We, we got the shirt that says, you know, I'm a Christian, but we're not buying like the $200, $250 Sitka shirt and the $200 pants. You know, see those guys that are, you know, what they're wearing with just their like thin pants and a thin shirt. That's like a $500 get up, right? And like, they're really into it. <laughs> and we tend to see that as like, you know, I can be a hunter. I can be the guy that throws on a hoodie and, and you know, walks out with my, uh, you know, Army National Guard giveaway backpack out into the woods to go hunt a moose. You know, I'm, I'm still a hunter. I'm just not into it as much as those guys. And so we can tend to d differentiate our faith like that. We're like, I'm a Christian. I'm just not a like crazy Christian like that. <laughs> and we make a differentiation between being saved and being completely overhaul life, top to bottom, head to toe, transformed. And we see those people that have the testimony, you know, I was, I was living on the street and I was doing drugs and this was my life and whatever. And Jesus got a hold of me and it was a night and day difference. We're like, well, it's one of those extreme Christians. <laughs> You know, and then we, we make these differentiations that we can't find in the Bible. We don't see these differences in the word of God. So my challenge today is to encourage us to take a deep look and, and hopefully let God change the way that we see our salvation a little bit. Philippians 2.12 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Results. Work hard to show the results. The result, uh, simple definition, a tangible, measurable effect that comes about as a consequence or conclusion. In our lives, do we have a, can somebody who knows us say there's a tangible, measurable effect of that person accepting Jesus in their life? If I had to prove it, quantify it, write a paper on it about that person's a Christian now because there's a quantifiable result that they accepted Jesus, could they do it? When we truly turn to God with our whole heart and we bring all of our sin and all of our junk to the foot of the cross and we receive forgiveness in that free gift of salvation, there will be a result in our life. There will be a transformation. I don't know about you guys, but my wife loves those like fixer-upper TV shows, right? And what is everybody kind of, they, they, they lead you on in the show to the very end when there's the like before and after, right? The transformation is what we're all waiting to see. You know, if they just cut the episode right before the before and after, they'd like the, the, the views would plummet, right? We watch along the whole way seeing little changes here or there, but we wanna see how it all came together to be night and day different from what it was. It, it amazes us. We're just like, wow, that was the before, now that's the after. And this, this idea, this transformation you know, this guy, you know, we took a homeless guy, gave him a haircut, now he's a billionaire. You know, like, we, like they, we want to see these transformations. The Greek word for this is metamorphio, and it means to change into another form, to transform or transfigure. 
It's used four times in the Bible. Um, twice, two of them is in Matthew and Mark, where it describes Jesus being dramatically transformed on the mount um, where, where he has his in heavenly form in, in front of um, Peter, James, and John. It's a complete change. And I don't know about you, but when I first accepted the Lord at a Bible camp, I can honestly tell you there was no complete change. No, I felt like a little better because I, I felt God, like that was the first time in my life where I felt that the, the weight of my sin was forgiven. But I immediately went home, and I, I feel like I was like that, that's the, the seed that gets thrown on shallow soil where you, where you sprout a little bit during camp. I had this like light feeling when I accepted Jesus, but by the next, like two weeks later, I was going back and being like, hey, where did I leave that backpack? <laughs> where did I leave that weight that I was carrying around? Like I was picking stuff back up again. Salvation is transformation. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word conform here is suske matizo. It means, it stresses the outward change. So the Bible's telling us in uh, 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all of your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living. King James calls it, do not fashion yourself according to your old ways of living. To satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So he's saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. When we don't know Jesus and you haven't accepted him in your life and you have not been born again... All you have is the ability to conform. Think about that. You have no ability to transform prior to knowing Jesus. When you're dead in your sin and you have not been born again by your spirit, all you can do is edit the outward appearance. All you can do, and this word, you know, that means conform in the Greek, all you can do is to change around and shift around what people see, the outward appearance. You do not have the ability to transform on the inside. This word in Greek that, that to, to transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is a salvation-only thing. It's internal. It means that it, to, to be transformed on the inside, to be changed on the inside, and that's a gift from God. That's why my message today is called the gift of transformation. Because too many times we see the free gift of salvation, and we're like, oh yeah, cool, that's salvation. I have that thing. I put it in my pocket, and it, we didn't receive it as a complete overhaul, as a life change. Transformation is not just uh, the next steps following salvation. Being born again is the transformation. Just as a baby is born fully human, and, but yet it's got a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> I have a four-month-old. and a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and an 11-year-old. Okay? They are all at different stages of growing up. But the minute they, you know, they're, they're all born fully human. They're all, you know, whatever. When we accept salvation, the, you are born again. The Bible says you are made new. You're brought to life, so to speak. You may have some growing up to do, but the transformation has happened. There should be no going back. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 18 says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed. There's that word again, metamorphio, changed into his glorious image. The word here is in the present continuance tense, meaning it's ongoing process. Um, I used to preach a lot about 
you know, how we see the world, our worldview. And Pastor Steve, you wear glasses, and I used to wear glasses, and that used to be my frame of reference. And I used to think about, like, before I know Jesus, I'm, I'm blind and, and I can't see anything, or, or I, I'm, I'm looking through muddied lenses, and I, and I see everything tainted through, a, through, through the sin and through the world. And, and I used to teach and think, you know, God gives me a new pair of glasses. And I see the world through his word, and we are encouraged to take his word and make it our worldview to examine the world through, his, examine our life, our families, our, our job, through his word as a lens, right? And then I got LASIK, and I realized my analogy has failed me. <laughs> it really has. Because I used to use the glasses analogy, and yet LASIK is permanently changing your vision. See where I'm going with this? When I had glasses... I regularly took off my glasses. I don't know if you guys shower with your glasses on, sleep with your glasses on. I don't know about, you know, that, whatever. But there's times in my life I regularly took them off at night and whatever. And I put them on and took them off. And, and I realized that for so many times throughout my life, my faith has been like that. You know, we put it on when we need it. We take it off when it's inconvenient. We put, you know, it, it's a back and forth. It's always, we can take it off at any time. And we have this option of looking through the word in our life or not. And, and then I got LASIK and I realized I can't switch back anymore. And so that is what our, our transformation experience, when we have our transformation testimony, not just I raised my hand and said a prayer, but my, my, the time in my life when I realized I, I can't go back, the time when I realized I'm born again, I'm, I'm a new creation. There, the new creation can't decide one day, you know what, new, being a new creation is a little difficult. There's some new challenges. I kind of want to spend a day with the, being the old creation. There's nowhere in the word that says we can uncreate the new creation. <laughs> and so as we look at my life, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing now that the, the LASIK is a better example because I went in there not being able to see 2020, and they opened up my eye, and they they used a laser to etch away at the cornea of my eye, and when they were all done and healed, and it was healed like the next day, I had 20-20 vision. There, it's not something I can take off now. <laughs> but there's lifestyle changes that have to take place. I still regularly wake up in the middle of the night. It, LASIK was 20, March 2020. February, March 2020, I got, I got LASIK. I still wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, you know, I have to go check on the kids, or I heard a noise, and in the dark, I'm looking for my glasses to go check on stuff. Two and a half years later, afterwards, right? I'm still looking for my glasses. You know, there's times I'm going on a trip and I'm looking for my glasses and Sharnay's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking for my, oh yes, <laughs> I don't wear glasses anymore, <laughs> you know? There's times I'm in the shop and I tell you what, in the last two years, I have had more junk thrown and shot into my eyes than ever before my whole life. <laughs> because when you wear glasses, you just don't have to think about finding a pair of safety glasses before you grind that prop on the, on the, on the grinder, you know, that boat prop. Because your glass, you, you already have safety glasses all the time, pretty much. And so there's lifestyle changes that are required. I have new focus now. Yes, I can see far off, great, I have 20-20 vision, but guess what? I can't see right up to my face anymore. My focus is different. I have a further focus. And isn't that what God wants us to do when we come to know him? He wants us to, to have a, see the big picture, to have vision. People without, without vision, my people perish. He wants us to see out. He doesn't want us to be all up in our own business and all up in our own face and all up in ourself. Before I got LASIK, I had horrible, and I mean, if I took my glasses off, 
I wouldn't be able, and you all held really still, I wouldn't be able to figure out how many people are in this room. Okay? I, I, I would lose my depth perception and get motion sick without my glasses on, just walking around my own house. And yet, my focus was such that if I wanted to read size 4.5 font on the back of like an ibuprofen bottle, I could do this. And I could read it. My focus was so right up in my face. But when I got LASIK, I realized I can't focus that like that, even if I try. I have to use readers to get up this close to my face. My, my focus has been permanently changed. And that's, what, that's why I realized I, I now have a better analogy for our salvation than glasses. Because I, if you're honest with yourself, have you ever realized that, man, some point this week I took my faith glasses off and I really haven't been looking at the world or life through scripture and through my relationship with God. I've been looking at life and I've been operating out of self for the whole week or for the whole month or whatever, you know. We at some point, you don't even realize when it happened, but at some point we took our removable glasses off. Salvation was never meant to be that. As we examine transformation, I hope you see that it was never meant to be something we can take off and put back on. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, the new life has begun. What did the, uh, what did the guy say talking to Jesus about? He said, you must be born again. And what did he say? Well, how can I crawl back into the womb and be born again? He didn't understand salvation. He, he understood in the physical that you can't go backwards. <laughs> and it's the same way with our faith. When, when you raise your hand and say a prayer, but you have no understanding of what's going on and there is no transformation, you, I've seen so many people and I've been there, you can go backwards from that. You can, you can decide, okay, I said a prayer, I did a thing, but there was no, I didn't have this, like, I didn't, my life wasn't transformed. I, you know, I wasn't, in that moment, I, I don't even know if I was born again. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a transformation at all. Nothing transformed in me. And so Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. 1 Peter 1.23 for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Your transformation story is as unique as you are. Think about that. Everybody in the Bible, you look, one of the things I really enjoy about reading in the scriptures is, is pay attention from now on, like as you read Bible stories, go back and read the stories that you've learned growing up. Spend time in the word, you know, with your family and look at the transformation that is happening. Every Bible hero from Moses to Abraham to David to, to Peter and John all have this story of I was this and now I'm this. Look at the different people they become. Look at the different attitudes they have, the words they say, the, the, what they say in their, in their worship or what they say in their prayers or what they say as they communicate with God. You look at what they were and what they are after having a transformation experience. You look at Moses is whining and complaining at the burning bush, and then you look at him as he's passing off, he's, he's praying to God as he's passing off the people to, to the next generation, and he realizes he can't go into the promised land, but he's not whining about that. He's not, he's not complaining about that like he would have pre-burning bush Moses, you know? He's sitting there, and he's praying for the people, and he has the heart of a father. He's a different guy. When we have a transformation experience with the Lord, we become different people. The results are obvious. Transformation is always an improvement. Galatians 5, 19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we are uprooted, when we have a transformation story... We don't have a, oh, I went to camp and I said a prayer. That was my first, what I would call salvation experience for me. But when I look at my life and I realized it was, that was sixth grade, it was ninth grade when I was at youth group. The church was being renovated and we were having youth group in the foyer of Abundant Life Christian School in Madison, Wisconsin. And the worship leader called for people to come up and worship God or if they needed special prayer or whatever. And I went up to the altar because I felt like I should be there. <laughs> And, and, th- and the Lord filled me with his spirit, and, 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 I, and that was the first time I ever being filled with the spirit, and, my, and that was, in my life, that was the first time when I can look back at 30, almost 39 years old and say, there was a transformation of me to something new in that moment. When we've had a transformation story, we, we, we have a story of ourselves being uprooted from where we were and planted by living water. And a lot of people don't understand that that, that, that that uprooting has to happen. As painful as it sounds, as miserable as it is emotionally and whatever you have to go through, the, in order to be a tree planted by living water, at some point you have to be uprooted from where you're at. From the old life, from the old way of thinking, it's, it's hard and it, and it hurts and it's humiliating and humbling to be to be uprooted from all youth that you were trying to put your life down into that ended up being bad soil and God plants you by living water many times people are so focused on the fruit and this is where acting Christian comes in you can be so focused on the fruit that you forget you have to replant yourself and stay by living water in order to get that fruit and so many people go to church week after week and there's problems and there's issues and whatever going on in the church or going on in your life. And you don't even realize that you're that person that's in the desert just beyond at a distance. And you can see the living water and you can see people having fruit and you want that. But you haven't been uprooted and put by living water yet. It causes a lot of problems. Ephesians 4.28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It's a transformation. If you've been this, now you're this. It's like the optometrist, you know? What's better, A or B? <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you're moving from one thing to another. So what are the results of your salvation, your transformation, your salvation story today? What are the, what are the tangible results? We said work hard to show the results of your salvation. Do you, is your salvation a pair of glasses? Or do you have a point moment in your history where you can point back and say, that's when God did LASIK on my heart. That's when God changed the way I see things forever. And I haven't been able to see things differently since then. Because when our faith and our belief in God and our relationship with him is a pair of glasses, oh man, there's so many days where we, re- we, re- we spend the whole day looking at things the old way. We spend, spend the whole day looking at things how we used to, the sinful nature, and not really looking through our relationship with God at all because it's optional did we get LASIK at our transformation or did we just put on faith glasses do we see things differently do we think about things differently than we did before 
How has being forgiven of your sins changed your life? That's a question we can all ask ourselves and hopefully stir us and be like, at any level of our faith, if we can't immediately answer that question, you know, we should dig a little deeper. If someone comes up to you after service, I encourage you, the, the, the part of the body of Christ, what we're supposed to be doing is holding each other up in our faith. Ask somebody after service today, how has being saved changed the way you think? Obeying God is not easy. Living for him is not easy. Being transformed is not always easy. <laughs> there's changes, there's difficulties that come with it. I'm still getting, jo we were out working on the uh, Joshua's uh, uh, travel trailer last night, and I got fiberglass junk and all kinds of things in my eyes because I didn't bring my safety glasses from Fort Yukon. I'm still forgetting safety glasses regularly because I didn't have to use them for 30 years. <laughs> there is, there's difficulties in being transformed. I'm not here to tell you when, when the Bible says the old is gone, the new is coming, everything's better, and we never have any hardship anymore. That verse isn't in the Bible. I wish it was, but I never, see, I never found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking, but I never found that one. My encouragement in this verse, my opening verse, my encouragement to you is this. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's not just about the power, right? I've always learned it to be, God, God's giving you the supernatural power to do what's right, to do the, and I was like, Almost more meaningful to me is when God supernaturally in my, in my, as, my, as a new creation, new self, gives me the desire. He, he, he changes my desires. Instead of saying, you know, I'm constantly wanting to do this sin, but I, I have to go do that Christian thing. My heart is over here, and, I, and I'm yearning for that sin, and I want to do sin, but because I'm a Christian, I have to do the Christian thing. <laughs> No, he's saying, I'm giving you the desire to do what's right and the power to do it. There's nothing holding you back. We have everything we need to live a life that pleases him. So my encouragement to you guys today is to ask yourself, to examine your faith, look at your life, you know, look at your salvation through that lens and say, God, did I, am I changed permanently? Or is this just something I switch on and off in my life? No matter where we're at in our faith, Pastor Steve, Pastor Scott, Pastor Joshua, no matter where we're at in our life and our walk with God, we have to ask ourselves that question. Is this something that is permanent? Did, where's, where's that story? Where's that spot in my life? You know, as I look at my journey and our 16 years almost in Fort Yukon, and I ask myself, you know, as I lead people to the Lord and I'm, and I'm as, as a pastor, I'm, I sometimes envy you guys, sometimes, sometimes I, I don't, sometimes I do, but I look at ministry and I realize we all got our difficulties, folks. We all got our challenges in ministry. What did Paul say? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And I'm looking at people I'm leading to the Lord, and I'm like, man, I'm just lead this guy to the Lord last Sunday, and he's been drinking and smoking and you know living a lifestyle of just self-fulfillment, self-pleasure. And, and I'm watching him the next Friday and see him on the road, and he's drunk. And I ask myself, God, where's the transformation? You know, where's the change? I don't want to be a pastor that just says the prayer with people and then they go about their business living for the world and we need change. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you're here this morning for to, because it's the church you go to or the, all your friends are here or you just feel like it's the right thing to do. But we need change as people. As human beings on this planet who were born in sin, we don't, we, we don't need a club. There's a lot of clubs out there. There's a lot of cool things you can be part of. 
But only Christ brings transformation. He, only Christ makes us new. Only, only Christ gives us the option to be born again. We need spiritual LASIK in our life. No going back. No taking off our faith. Be like, I, I've seen, guess what, guys? Every time I've woken up since, from, since that operation in, in 2020, every day I've woken up, I've had 2020 vision. Hasn't been a day where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, just an off day. I just, you know, I, I saw it like I used to all day. <laughs> we need transformation in our life. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good to us. And your word tells us that you give us all we need to live a life that pleases you. You've given us everything we need to live a transformed life. So I pray for each person here, myself included, that we would examine our faith. Your word tells us, Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, let us look at our heart in a deep, meaningful way today. Examine our faith, Lord. And if there's anybody here who does not have a transformation story, it doesn't matter how long they've been coming to church, Lord, if they, if they don't have that story where they've been transformed by you and made into a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, Lord, may they have that experience with you today in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do. Most importantly, that we can be called children of the King Most High. And our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have so much to look forward to. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.